0: It is really great to be here. Uh, we've got some slides uh, that we'll, we'll uh, call up as we go. Uh, the first of which is I'd love to share with you a photo of me and my boss. If it can, yeah. There you go. This is Stephen Cottrell. He's Archbishop of York. He is the 67th or something um, Archbishop of York uh, right down the line to St. Paulinus. Uh, And I get to work with him since having been a um, work at St. Hild College. In May, I moved to be the Archbishop's Mission Enabler for the North. So my job is to encourage uh, planting new churches, starting new worshipping communities, and creative forms of mission around the North of England, which is great for me because I was born in Manchester, love living in Leeds and really passionate about about the North. And as soon as I met Alex, I just thought, this is amazing. And and, uh, that's why it's a privilege uh, for me to be here. I'd love to share with you something from the book of Thessalonians. So if you have that on your phone or uh, uh, in the NIV version, I'm going to read from, or you want to follow it on the screen. uh, I'm just going to read from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, Uh, beginning at the very start. And it goes like this. It's a letter from an early Christian leader, Paul, to a church in Thessalonica, which is in in Greece. Paul, he writes, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us And of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what happened when we visited you. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Amen. Okay, so I want to start with a question this evening. why are we here? Why are we here? Like that's a deep question to begin with. Why are we here? This is a Christian church. How can we are doing this in Liverpool? Okay. How did faith get here? Uh, we've been reflecting on it in the videos already. Um, what happened? And and of course, the first thing that happened is that the Christian faith began in Jerusalem. So if we just see on the screen here, we've got Jerusalem, um, where, where Jesus uh, rose from the dead. If we go to the next slide, that we here we go. Um, so you've got Jerusalem just off the bottom right corner there. And then the message about Jesus spread out through people like Paul, uh, who went to places like Thessalonica, spreading that message about Jesus. And then from there, Paul writes, and we just read it then, your faith rings out it's like a sound wave kind of echoing out the Lord's message rang out uh, in Macedonia and Achaia and and in fact it's been known everywhere so there's this what I'm going to call a first wave where the gospel the news about Jesus spreads out from Jerusalem to Thessalonica and then out through Macedonia and actually the very first Christians on the kind of the soil of the British Isles will most likely have been Roman slaves, uh, maybe Roman householders, uh, possibly Roman soldiers. Um, and that was going on in the like the 200s and the 300s AD. Um, but then the Roman Empire crumbled, and when it crumbled, the little churches in people's houses and the people who are Christians that all fell away as well. And so then you got pagan rulers and, and, and faith, Christian faith, kind of died out. And that was the first wave. And if things had stayed like that, then if we were meeting as Christians together, we would be probably in Italy. Because that was like the center in Rome. So if you think about it, we could be, instead of here... Tonight, we could have been in Rome. So we could have, like, had, uh, well, in the morning, we were talking about what we'd do in the morning, so we could have had, like, pasta for dinner and then taken a stroll through the Roman kind of streets and then had a relaxing uh, time in the the beautiful colonnades of Italy. But instead, we're here in Liverpool. And uh, because faith didn't just stay in, the, uh, in places like Rome, there was a second wave, a second wave of evangelism that came out from Rome. now Pope Gregory sent out and Alex was explaining about this sent out people like Augustine, who went to Canterbury, and then uh, this guy Paulinus. so if you look at the next slide, there we go, so we've got from Rome sending through to uh, well to Canterbury he was there for about 20 years and then pushing up towards York and that great second wave uh, is described by the historian Bede who was just a couple hundred years later if we have that quote up there he says King Edwin received the faith in the year of our Lord 627." so that's nearly 1,400 years ago he was baptized at York on the holy day of Easter, 12th of April, in the church. He himself had built of timber there in haste. So that second wave is nearly 1,400 years old. And what we're doing across the north is we're getting ready to celebrate that, to celebrate 1,400 years. And that wave of people finding faith in the north is still going. And tonight we're part of that wave. And um, that's what we call faith in the north. Faith in the north. And we've got a little team of of historians, and they've been looking at every church that can trace itself all the way back to those first Anglo-Saxon Christians. And if you look at the map here, each of these pins shows you a church that was planted back then in the 600s or the 700s, maybe early 800s. What an amazing collection of pens on the map. And that's how the movement of faith in the north got going. That's how faith returned to Chester and York and what was before Liverpool and, and Manchester and Leeds, uh, before those cities got, uh, got going. So um, what I want to just um, think about with you in terms of faith in the north is, you know, how did faith get here? What do, who do we have to thank and what do we have to learn about, um, about that great story, that great chain of love? A chain of love as one person told another person who told another person who told another person who told you about Jesus Christ. How do we play our part In that, and I just want to draw out two uh, things as I do that, and uh, two little observations. And the first observation is this: evangelism isn't easy. Okay, evangelism isn't easy. Newsflash: I know it uh, may come as a surprise, It probably doesn't. Um, It's not easy. This business of telling people about Jesus, sharing faith. Um, Let me illustrate what I mean by that. The whole thing about uh, Thessalonians, this letter that was written, is all based on a a mission journey that went wrong. Uh, So if we call up the bit from uh, from Acts, this is uh, uh, Luke uh, who describes in the New Testament how it went. He says, some of the Jews, uh, this is in uh, Thessalonica, were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas who wrote this letter Um, As did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, which is like a nearby city. So basically, they go, they tell people about Jesus. It's a disaster. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. They were there maybe about two weeks. And they're just, they're driven out for their own safety, okay? That's how all this, it was not easy, it was not straightforward, it was not what was planned. It was the opposite of all those things. And Paul then, when he writes, if we look at the next text, he he says, uh, as I read earlier, you welcomed the message, that's what he means, in the midst of extreme suffering, that is a riot, (laughs) And then he goes on, and then later on, chapter two, you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day. So this was it was tough work. It was it was a hard business, says Paul. And then one last one, uh, just a few verses on. And then you, brothers and sisters, you became imitators of God's churches in Judea, are in Christ Jesus, because you suffered from your own people the same things that those churches suffered. So it was, it was hard when Paul and Silas were there, and after they left, the suffering continued. So that's why I say, in that first wave of evangelism, it was not actually easy. And we were hearing about the story of Paulinus, and actually I think there's a lot of connections between this, what we've read from the scriptures, and Paulinus, because he was biding his time for about 20 years down in Canterbury, as I said. He goes up, and he slowly tries to win the confidence of King Edwin. When he eventually does, and then Edwin gets baptized in 627, he then has three years... But then Edwin is killed in a battle with a pagan king. And then Paulinus has to flee from York. And he can't operate in the north. And he goes down to Rochester, which is where he's buried, and where his tomb is today. So actually, just like Paul couldn't stay in Thessalonica, Paulinus couldn't stay in York. You get a window that opens to do whatever God's given you to do, and then the window closes, and then you have to go on assignment wherever God sends you next. And so that's why I say evangelism isn't easy. This whole process of following God, starting new things, trying to follow the Spirit, it's not easy. And what I think we, one of the reasons I think this is important is the faith in the north is about digging our roots deeper into the soil of what's happened in these islands centuries and centuries before. But actually, as we dig in those roots, what we find is that it's actually more vulnerable and risky than we might have thought. And so we're rediscovering as a church what it means to go on mission with God, what it means to go on that adventure of faith what it means to like not be like imperialist conquerors going out and saying, we shall take this land and we shall take that land, but to be pilgrims. Say, okay, where, where is it that you're taking me now? We're kind of rediscovering that pilgrim faith, which is how this got going. Sometimes the kingdom will rise, but sometimes it falls. Sometimes culture will ebb one way, but then sometimes it flows the other way the door opens for a new opportunity, but then it closes. And actually, we better get used to that because maybe that's a feature of the landscape in which we live. That uncertainty of the sparrow that flies into that warm room and then flies out, that the gospel brings us this certainty in the midst of uncertainty because that's actually what life feels like a lot of the time. And and I just want to say... um, it is a great privilege for me to be speaking here at Penny Lane, because I see you guys and what you're doing here as a church as an amazing example of that adventure of faith. As soon as I heard about this church, I thought I would love to see it. Um, and uh, so I but did. I drop hints. I was like, <laughs> Would you like to invite me to speak? But um, I was just so chuffed when Alex said come and see because I thought that would be great. I'd love to see it. And just like Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says, your faith rings out. And we don't even have to tell anybody about you because they've already heard about you. I want to tell you, and I said the same this morning, your faith in this church rings out. Because I have people in uh, Carlisle who I've met and in Sunderland who I've met. And they're talking about Penny Lane as an example of what can happen. So, your faith and your love and your hope in going on this adventure is actually a model because that's my job is to kind of travel around encouraging people. But your news has beaten me to it. I want to encourage you that you're doing faith in the north. So, thank you. So, evangelism is not easy, but one other thing I just want to share it is good. It's not easy, but it is good. And the reason I say that, I mean, it might sound kind of blindingly obvious, of course, I think it's good, right? But because actually, what does strike me is if you watch TV at all, and I imagine that you do watch TV at all, um, the Christian faith does not always come across terribly well on TV programs. I don't know if you've spotted that. if you not spotted that? Spot once or twice. Um, I'm just going to give you three examples. I could have done 30. Um, if you watch, for instance, His Dark Materials. Anybody watch His Dark Materials or read His Dark Materials? A small number of people. Um, you could be forgiven for thinking that Christianity is a worldwide conspiracy to hide the truth and oppress people because that's what happens in that story, more or less. Um, if you watch BBC's uh, show, The Boat Story, which was broadcast over Christmas, um, you could be forgiven for thinking that Christianity almost deliberately splits up families because that's one of the references in in episode one of that. Uh, Or if you watch the movie Wonka about the origins of of Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, which just came out before Christmas, um, you might be aware of the idea that church buildings could be hiding something, in this case, a massive vat of chocolate, which is being uh, controlled by a chocolate cartel. Um, it could be happening in this building right now. Uh, and the only person who would know would be Alex. He has the secret key. So, um, obviously, um, I'm making light of these things. There's something interesting going on, which is our culture is asking the church a question. Our culture is asking the church a question. The question is this Are you good? Are you good? Because, because each of those TV programs or, 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 or novels, they toy with the idea, and we could talk about that, A Handmaiden's Tale, we could talk about all sorts of other things. They're saying, well, what would it be like if faith was oppressive? What would it be like if it was abusive? What would it be like if it was secretive? And, and so they're, they're toying with that idea. They're asking the church really, are you offering something good? And it's an, an absolutely fair question because the church has at times got it wrong and has to hold up its hand and say, Do you know what, we've got this wrong. We need to repent. We need to change direction. You know, behavior which is abusive, actions which are unjust, power games, these are not the good news. But the good news is something good. And I just want to give you a couple of reasons, uh, three reasons, in fact, why that is the case. Um, first of all, the good news is good because that is literally uh, what evangelism means. So uh, as Alex said, I am a bit of a nerd, and, um, and he asked this morning, you know, do you do, is there anything particularly nerdy you do? And one of the things that I do which is a bit nerdy is when I'm in church and I'm following the Bible reading, I try and follow it in the Greek. Uh, which is what the language of the New Testament was written in. And, um, and so let's take an example of this. The word evangelism comes from the Greek uh, euangelion, uh, which is just two words stuck together. Uh, eu is the Greek word for good, and angelion is the Greek word for angel. Angelion. Angel or messenger, I mean the same thing. So really, evangelism just brings those two words together. Uh, and we have other Greek words like this. So a eulogy is a good word. Uh, if you feel euphoric, it's a good feeling. And evangelism is a good message. It's a good message. So the very meaning of this word is good. Good. So if we're sharing faith at all, if you ever get the chance to share faith at all, you're sharing something good. You know, it says in the book of Isaiah, it says in Isaiah that your feet are beautiful. I don't know how you feel about your feet. Uh, My wife and the book of Isaiah disagree about my feet. Um, Isaiah says my feet are beautiful. My wife does not agree. Um, Little curly toes, anyway. um, That's that's not relevant. But um, my point is that when you get the chance to just invite somebody to church or just say the truth about where you were tonight, (laughs) if somebody asks you tomorrow what you did at the weekend, whenever you get the chance to show or to share about Jesus, Isaiah says, how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. So, whenever you're sharing the gospel, you're doing something beautiful. You're sharing words that words were made for. When you speak about Jesus, you're doing with words the thing that words were actually made for, which is to carry the good news of Jesus, who is the Word. Anyway, um, it's good. Uh, secondly, evangelism is good because. Because it's good all the way through, because it's it's got not just a good label or a good kind of a, a good word or title, because its meaning is good, and I just want to encourage you with that tonight. Do you know that the good news is is good all the way through? It begins with the God, who lives before the world was even created, before the universe began, outside of time itself, a God who dwells in love. And joy and delight in a union of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And out of love and joy creates a world and says it is good. And in that world creates a people, Israel, so that they can say that they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That they've actually been been held and carried and met by God. And then when his own people turned away and when he wanted to reach out to the whole of the world, he sent his son, Jesus, so that we could all see his goodness. Luke says in the book of Acts that he went around doing good in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then even on the cross, he, when, when, when what we do is we, we took him and he was arrested and falsely charged and tortured and killed, still he breathes out forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So there's a goodness all the way through to Good Friday. And then God raised him up so that now anybody who believes in him could be filled with his spirit, a spirit that gives us Goodness. And so, in fact, uh, the letter of Thessalonians ends by saying, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everybody else. So the gospel is the news of the goodness of God who wants to share his goodness with us so we can infect the world and bless the world with the goodness of God. So I just want to encourage you. Uh, there's this wonderful book that's just been written called, uh, uh, which the subtitle is, um, The Good News About the Good News. It's called A Yearning for the Vast and Endless Sea. It's by a guy called Chris Russell. I really recommend it. Um, but it's just reminding us that the, the good news of the gospel is good all the way through. And if the gospel sounds like bad news to you, then, you're, then you've understood it incompletely. And if we're telling it to others as if it sounds like really, really bad news, then we're telling it wrong. Because the gospel is good news. One last thing about that before, uh, before I finish, uh, which is that it has a good effect. So it has a good meaning, it's good all the way through, and it has a good effect Um, In our passage, we see that because Paul says, when you heard our message, you had the power of the Holy Spirit convicting you, and God gave you the joy of the Holy Spirit when you were suffering, and you turned from idols, and they turned to God in faith and hope and love. It had a good effect. And... uh, I, uh, I used this this morning and it was, it was a delight to tell a bit of the story of this guy, Paul Kingsnorth. If you, if you like bloggers and you like people who are uh, kind of uh, thinking online, uh, this guy, Paul Kingsnorth, is a really fascinating character. And He was a, um, a pagan and a critic of Christianity. Uh, it began in his teens and he said he, he went into a church once with friends and at the back of the church was a visitor's book where you could sign, you know, I have visited, you know, thank you for opening the church. And uh, he got the pen, and he said, when he was a teenager, he wrote in the visiting book of this local church, "I will destroy you and all of your works." Ha 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 ha. Signed, Satan. <laughs> and um, and so he was not a fan of Christianity, I think it's fair to say. Um, but then, round about 2020, he writes something began to change. He was reading, he was thinking, he was resting with his thought. Oh wonder if God is calling me through the Christian faith. He was not expecting it at all. And then he describes the moment this all changed. He said I was at a concert at my son's music school. We were in a hotel function room full of children ready to play their instruments and proud parents ready to film them doing it. I was just walking to my chair when I was overcome entirely. Suddenly I could see how everyone in the room was connected to everyone else. And I could see what was going on inside them and inside myself. I was overcome with a huge and inexplicable love. A great wave of empathy for everyone and everything. It kept coming and coming until I had to stagger out of the room and sit down in the corridor outside. Everything was unchanged and everything was new. And I knew what had happened, and who had done it, and I knew that it was too late. I had just become a Christian. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That God broke into his life, but the mark of it, the way you could tell, was because of love. Because of love. So evangelism is not easy, but it is good. It is good because it brings the goodness of God and it makes a good difference. And so I just want to encourage you, as I finish now, I just want to encourage you, maybe God is giving you a nudge that actually this week, this next few weeks, maybe God has put you somewhere where you can be the person, just as we were just talking about earlier on the stage, where you're going to be able to share something about this church, about what God has done, finding out about the people around you, what they believe, what their story is, and maybe getting a moment to share your story. And maybe tonight God's just gonna raise a passion in you, like a burning in you, like, oh, yeah, maybe, this is me. Or maybe, actually, you just want to say, God, is this, this goodness I want to experience it for myself. Maybe it's been a while. Or maybe even for the first time. I want to know this good news for myself.